Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of June 30, 2014. This is episode 236, and I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We're the healthcare marketing firm that puts on this podcast. With me today are Jackie Olson, account manager with Interval. And uh, Barry White, sweet lover, love maker. I don't know. Sweet love maker at Interval. <laughs> sweet love maker at Interval. <laughs> now, it's, it's a new, it's a new, <laughs> new role promotion for Adam. <laughs> uh, Adam Meyer, principal at Interval, getting over a cold, so I apologize. Froggy went to court, and he did ride crumble. Have you ever heard of that? What was no. that? Oh gosh, you guys, you've never heard Is of Froggy? Like Froggy went to court, and he did ride crumble. Is that like an old? <laughs> it's like an old cowboy from the like a cowboy song. Um, I also threw this at my kids and they never heard it before. Kookaburra sits in the old gum tree. Oh, I remember Mary, that. Mary Mary King of the bushes. Bush he laugh. Kookaburra laugh. Kookaburra gay. Your life must be. They had no clue. My kids laugh, had never heard that. Laugh. I've heard of that, but I could never cited it. I came right to gay, me like out of the. Your life must be. Mary White sings Kookaburra. All right, so uh, if you're new to the show or if you forgot what this is all about, uh, this is our weekly forum for riffing and ranting on hot or important healthcare marketing topics, trends, and ideas. A whole lot of noise thrown in. Should we throw some noise in there today? Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Uh, Some updates. Uh, I'm going to be, boy, almost three weeks now. It's coming close. Going to be in Orlando for the Florida Hospital Association Communications Conference on July 24th, talking about Joe Public does not care about your hospital. August, what is the date in August? You left me hanging. I should know that off the top of my head. Play the play the music that plays when we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> August 7th? August 8th? August 8th. Okay. Going to be speaking in Austin at the Texas Hospital Association... Communication Conference on Content Marketing. Going to be in September. Going to be in Wisconsin at Whippermas doing a digital marketing makeover with Chris Boyer. Mm. What not to wear. What not to wear <laughs> when you're designing your website. Uh, going to be in New York in October for the Haney's Conference, also talking about content marketing. So going to be out and about across the country. Come see me if you're in those areas. Uh, also going to have a new book hitting the stands in September. It's very exciting. We're seeing designs and covers and coming along nicely. Mm-hmm. It's not fake. It's not fake. It's going to be real. <laughs> Joe Public 2 embracing the new paradigm. It's essentially about how you need to move to digital marketing and content marketing. Pronto. So check it out at thinkinterval.com slash JP2 where you can sign up to be notified when it's ready. Uh, you'll get an email so you can go out and rush to the store and buy it. I think that's all the updates we have. Yeah, those are quite a few, though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could talk about something, but let's leave it for next time. Because, <laughs> all right, well, we'll catch you guys later. <laughs> no, we, we, ha- we have something that's actually, we sent out, a, we have a post that, that was sent out to everybody, but we can save it for next time because we're not prepared for that. Oh, yes. That's right. You mm-hmm. forgot to get in your time machine. We all mm-hmm. did. That's all right. Time. It'll still be relevant next week. It will be. It's it's relevant for a long time, unfortunately. <laughs> when we get to it. Okay, so let's talk about this first one, which um, I saw this, but I didn't read it. 
somebody else saw it and posted. Adam, maybe? Jackie? Yeah. Adam did. Ran across it on Dig. Mm-hmm. But it's an article from The Atlantic, so let's mm-hmm. not... Dig is an aggregator. Not Well, sometimes <laughs> they publish. Yeah. They? They have, well, they yeah. have, like, yeah, reviews, like, weekly reviews, and then mm-hmm. they put up some informational, like, infographic-type stuff with, like, this kind of interesting oh. sketch style. So, yeah, they do some more, more and more of their own I, stuff. I don't, would you call them a... I don't think I'd call them a curator. I, I, to me, aggregator is where you pull content together... But you really don't lend anything to it. Curator right. to me is usually you pull content in, but then you lend your own voice to it. Dig lends usually headlines, catchy headlines to the headline of whatever the content is. Sure. Um, they're probably still that's a, real curation. They're probably still a curator. They don't, but they don't because they, they decide what goes up there. I and mean, to me, that's that's more of what a curator does. Oh, is I the, suppose just determining what goes up there, and that's what I appreciate about. What's them. an aggregator then? Just pulls a whole whatever you want together into one spot. Like an RSS right. reader would be an aggregator. So I've got like you know 150 RSS feeds going. It just pulls them all together into one place for me, but it does nothing to like give them any priority. You know, mm-hmm. they're all just dumped into oh, a pile, right. and I have to still figure out what's what. Okay, I, I stand corrected. So they're curator. Um, but the credit goes to Atlantic, historic by Derek Thompson on June 13th, called A Dangerous Question, Does Internet Advertising Work at All? Uh, it's a very well-done article. Uh, it, it's really focused on studies from eBay that kind of show that Google, or claim to show that Google is vastly exaggerating the effectiveness of search advertising. Now, the author does a good job of breaking this down a little bit because once you get into it, um, some of the some of the results are definitely <clears throat> questionable. So the the study was done by um, eBay Research Labs. So first of all, again, we we have to you know ring the bell of yeah. research alert. You know grain of salt. Remember where the content's coming from. eBay in many ways has incentives. I think, uh, to ding search. They'd rather you just go there. Uh, they don't want people spending their money on, I don't know why they would, but well, I just feel like there's a little bit of competition between Google and eBay. No? Yeah, I would say, but I would say the competition isn't about search. Uh, I'd say the competition is more about both being a destination for shopping. Shopping. Yeah, yeah because Google's true. got its Google Shopping platform. Right. Though Google really doesn't do any kind of fulfillment on that. You know, They make their money through you know, whatever kickbacks they get as a result of somebody finding a good and then fulfilling or, or completing a purchase through a vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but eBay, I think, is very much interested in being included in search because when you search Google for something, even through Google Shopping, uh, eBay results are there. And um, I think yeah. just like Amazon, uh, you know, eBay wants to make sure that you find goods that they are hosting or selling, um, even if you don't begin the search there. Mm-hmm. So a lot I of things you can that. go to Google, you'll put in a search and the first thing that'll come up will be a, like an Amazon right. result. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when you go to Google shopping, the first result will be eBay stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think they are very interested in the power of search and the effectiveness of it. Um, so, but it, they, there's still clearly there's some competition between the two. So yeah. you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. And, and so you just, you just have to have that in the back of your mind. Cause it's, it's interesting that eBay is running research on Google. They'd be like Facebook. To me, that's like Facebook doing a study on the power of search, Google search ads. And I'd be like, a uh, yeah, I'm not even going to read this. <laughs> it's not that bad, but I think it's close right. to that. Right. Uh, 
And here are the two main things they found. So first of all, they talk about the ineffectiveness of paid search ads when somebody's searching for a company, which I, I just think is... So they give the example of Nike. Right. Like you're searching for Nike and up pops the Nike website is the top natural search, as you would hope it would. But above that is an ad from Nike. Right. And the, the research says, quote, there are no measurable short-term benefits from this. They're merely giving consumers a perfect substitute for the link they would have clicked anyway. I don't think Nike's going, oh, bleep. <laughs> I didn't know that was what we were doing. That is, that is insightful. We right. just thought we were going to get tons of money from that. Because it goes right after that in parentheses, which I think is the point. The only way it would add value is if Nike's point is paying to keep rivals like Adidas out of the top slot, right? Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is what they are doing, right? right. I think primarily, yeah. And I, I, have, I have to, you know, I what? don't, especially for brands that I admire or like or am, you know, searching for because I want to get to their website because I like them. I tip, I never click on the ad just because I feel that, kind of yeah. guilty doing it. I click on the first on the on just that the first organic result, which is exactly the same as the. So if it was Nike, the first result is Nike.com. Yeah. But the ad is Nike.com. Right. I would never click on the ad. You know, if I was no, a, I a big right. loyal follower of Nike, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm technically, theoretically, that's going to cost them something if I click on that. Um, so I'm going to click on the organic result, which mm-hmm. is not going to cost them anything. Right. The only time I do that is if I'm, which I think they get to later in the article, is if I'm looking for something not that specific. Well, yeah, that's the next point. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's just like, again, throw that away. That isn't helpful to anybody. Right. That should be duh. So then, yes? Well, I was just going to add, though, but his comment that follows the one that you just said, that says, assuming Google would sell Adidas the top sponsored link on searches for Nike, do they not do that in the first place? Heck yeah, I they mean, would. They sell it to whoever pays the most. Oh, okay. Yeah, then I Google's not going to be like, sorry, you can't have that. That's, that's Nike. Nike deserves that. Right? Isn't that what I'm, his question? I of course they would sell them that. I'm, I thought he just said assuming, like un, it was kind of unclear whether or not. They I, would. You know, I don't know for sure. I don't I mean, know. There, there's clearly. A, Do you I mean, think Google has a rule like? No, I think, but I think that there's there's clearly like some ethical. Right. weirdness in there with like can they can they then blackmail I mean, like, people like, do it all the time no i know i know i know i'm not saying all the time i'm not saying I, i'm just saying that there's there's some weirdness in there and some kind of some weird you know black hatty type things on, on there on google's side if you're like how can you can you hold it you know hold somebody you know kind of a ransom it, or it's you pay you pay this if you don't want to be there maybe because i mean a lot of what google says they do they only do to the extent they can actually enforce it so yeah. if it's ni- maybe there is some guideline that says you can't, but I can't tell you how many times I search for something like a specific company or product, mm-hmm. and its rival pops oh, yeah, up yeah, as totally. the top ad above it, and that's pure competitive search advertising strategy right. by the rival. So it's possible Google can't keep up with all that and can't for all the millions of products and companies enforce it, and maybe could with Nike. I don't know that. Okay. I but I know it happens. Because... I know it happens. Right. Well, I know there's a lot of, there are a number of articles out there that cover this topic, whether well, or not it's ethical or, you know, obviously the ethical, you can say it's not mm-hmm. ethical for sure, but whether or not it's legal. Why is it not ethical? I don't see why it's not ethical. Uh, well, I mean, I've, I've health been, grades does that. The ethical side, I mean, comes from what, how Google enforces it or what they do about it. Cause I mean, if they're not being clear about it, if they're kind of holding you you know, blackmailing you into paying a certain price to, for your competitor oh. to not be there. You know, they hold the keys to the pricing, obviously, and they determine right. who pays what to be where. But so. isn't it an auction style pricing? 
Yeah, I mean, it is, but I mean, there's still, I don't know. And then there's well, still, if you trust the man yeah, behind that's the curtain. That's the thing. <laughs> Okay, so you, if you want to dig into that, Adam, and see what you can find when we keep talking about this, we can, we can cover that at a different time. Um, but what about more common searches for things like buy a camera or best cell phone? So in a study of search ads bought by eBay, okay, so now the study is just on search ads for eBay. It's not right. for anything else. The most frequent internet users who see the vast majority of ads and spend the most money online weren't any more likely to buy stuff from eBay after seeing search ads. The study concluded that paid search spending was ironically concentrated on the very people who were going to buy stuff on eBay anyway. Quote, more frequent users whose purchasing behavior is not influenced by ads account for most of the advertising expenses resulting in average returns that are negative. So again, this to me is a not representative study. Because first of all, and you guys, I have no research to back this up. If you frequent eBay, you got eBay bookmarked. You're not... Googling sure. eBay, or you just go, yeah, you go to it, and use their app. Frequent eBay users go right to eBay. Right. Just like if I'm going to go to Amazon, I'm not going to Google Amazon. I'm going right to Amazon. Right. So the vast majority of people, I would assume, are not accessing eBay. Who use eBay frequently are not accessing it through there, and thus would also not click on the ad. So I just think it's. Hmm. Do you disagree with that? Well, I don't know. Like so, recently I was looking up. I bought a Dyson vacuum. And so I Googled the model that I was looking for Mm -hmm. and eBay, I think popped up, Amazon popped up, but I, you know, even though I typically shop on Amazon, I didn't go directly there, Yeah. but I also, I just really dislike eBay. So any search result that pops eBay up, I just ignore because I just don't want to deal with their site anyways. So I wonder if, I don't know, I'd kind of be curious to see how many people actually just maybe ignore the eBay listings anyway. I would, I would ignore because to me, eBay is a specific way to buy. Correct. And I yeah. never got into it. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't understand it. So totally I'm never going to use it. Mm-hmm. It's not like any other... Well, I'm sure there are other things like eBay, but it's not a store. Mm-hmm. You're buying from other dudes. It's like Craigslist. Right. Right? It's a completely different mindset. Well... Yeah. No, I, well, it, it no, is. It's, it's different than Craigslist. I mean, Craigslist is really all about like... You know, Joe Blow down the street. I mean, I know it goes farther well, than so is this. eBay? No, eBay is eBay. It has other stuff. It's, I mean, and it almost is mostly other stuff today. Um, well, that could be. Maybe I'm thinking yeah, it's of like really, old school eBay. It's really um, people. <laughs> I might be too. Yeah, you, re- you probably are. I, I mean, it really, probably it's, so outdated. It's that... less, it's, today it's less about like auctions and stuff and more about going and buying now. And, and buying from companies who are present on eBay, who use it as a storefront, just like they also use Amazon or Etsy or whatever. Yeah, or Etsy. You'll see okay. you'll see mm-hmm. people who are on eBay are also on Etsy if they're like artisan types or even beyond. Or people who are selling through Amazon okay. are also selling through eBay. Um, so okay, that's fair. And, and and through other resources as well. So it's really become a storefront, much like Amazon today. But then it's almost kind of about brand loyalty for you know because if I see an Amazon search over eBay, just because I never use eBay, right. I just would automatically go to the Amazon or and like it was and a if Macy's. you do use eBay, are you going to click on that paid ad for eBay or are you just going to go to eBay? <clears throat> I would just, just go to eBay. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. so his point in this is that there could be a problem with internet advertising in terms of what he calls endogeneity, um, which is a fancy, stupid word for, I was going to buy it anyway. Uh, if for in other words, are you really pulling in people that were just going to come to you anyway? And I, mm-hmm. and I, I can see how that could be a problem with certain things. I don't think that's a problem for our audience. Right. I really don't. I don't think uh, if somebody's online searching for best cardiologist to assume they were to come to you anyway is 
bull- a is. huge risk. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're searching for my knee hurts and I'm not even thinking of you as a, as a resource and up pops a paid ad for a, an, an app or a tool to help you assess your knee pain. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to come to that anyway. I didn't even right. know it existed. Right. And so I just right. think it's for our world. I wouldn't worry about that. I'm not trying to like, you know, we don't make any money off a of search. We're right. not a digital agency in that regard. So right. if search goes away tomorrow, fine, we have to shift to something else. So I've got no stake in, in, right. in AdWords or whatever. Uh, I just think that for our audiences, maybe in retail, there's that's a dynamic you have to pay attention Commoditized to. Commoditized goods yeah. where mm-hmm. it's just really... You know, you can you can, then, you can feel you free to make you know decisions on, on the on the fly or on a whim. You know, do you, do you think though that even like in Jackie's case, where she's searching for a specific model, mm-hmm. right? So you know exactly what you want, and you were going to buy it anyway. And the paid stuff comes up, and you happen to see it on sale in the ad or whatever, mm-hmm. and you click on that ad. This research would say well, you're going to buy it anyway. You're going to buy it from Amazon anyway. But if no. Amazon wasn't there. You might have gone somewhere else. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can. Yeah, totally. Um, there was a, a table that I bought recently for our uh, upper level of our house, with a small table that I wanted. Um, and I, I did. I started. I started on Amazon. Actually, I ran across it on Pinterest, and then started looking everywhere to see what it was for pricing because it was going all over. It was a table that would be, you know, it might be at like restoration hardware type place, and they're going to charge right. like a, you know fifteen hundred dollars for it. Right. But it's also at like the place that sells sofas, you know, out of some warehouse in California and they're charging like $350 for it. And it's literally the same damn table. So I was looking all over and finding prices that were just all over the board. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I had in that case, I had no brand loyalty to anything. You know, I think I saw it on eBay from Mm -hmm. some sellers, but ended up buying it from some place that had some pretty good reviews out of California that literally was just like a warehouse full of furniture and shipped it out. Um, and I paid, you know, a quarter of the price that it was at some of the fancier stores that were also selling it. So in that case, it was really... It was price. Yeah, it was all about mm-hmm. price. And, it you know, ads that if it were... I don't think it was featured in any ads. It certainly was featured in ads after I purchased it with the remarketing. Um, but I that that's a case where I would have clicked on, you know, other things that had a better mm-hmm. price. And price was really driving where I bought it in that case. Right. So. Well, the, the story then goes on to talk about... Um, Facebook. We've already tore Facebook a new one for this, but let's <laughs> let's do it again. In 2012, Facebook partnered with Data Logics, a firm that measures the shopping habits of 100 million U.S. families. This, this is interesting. It's so asinine to see if people <laughs> went on Facebook and saw ads for, say, hot pockets. Right. Were more likely to go out and buy hot pockets, according to Facebook's internal studies. <laughs> the ads weren't getting many clicks. Which is how they charge you. But they were buying Hot Pockets. But they were working brilliantly. <laughs> Quote, of the first 60 campaigns we looked at, 70% had a three times or better return on investment. That means that 70% of advertisers got back three times as many dollars in purchases as they spent on ads. Sean Brurick, Facebook's head of measurement platforms and standards, told Farad Manju. Now... As we have said, and the author says, there are a few reasons to be skeptical of this. One is the basic BS detector um, blaring inside your soul, saying you shouldn't believe companies who say our research has apparently concluded unambiguously that we are awesome. <laughs> right, I love that. The second was, again, this idea that I was going to buy it anyway. And here, it's even more like, come on. I mean, Facebook <clears throat> sells its ads on the power of identifying individuals' 
right. knowing more about them than maybe anybody in the world right. and saying, Hot Pockets, we know Chris Bevelo loves Hot Pockets. He's liked you before. He likes mm-hmm. baked pizza items. <laughs> He's Italian, whatever. You should sell it and put an ad up there. So you put an ad up there, and lo and behold, Chris Bevelo buy, buys Hot Pockets. You can see pockets. me go to Target and buy a Hot Pocket. <laughs> Wow. Well, even if you didn't know, <laughs> even if you take all that away, as long if, you know, if, if if the company that makes hot pockets knows the demographic of the people that buy hot pockets, not even that. Assume you didn't even like hot pockets right, right, on right. Facebook. Assume you Which were Italian. Gross. Assume you didn't like any I other am. any other. I know you are. Assume that you didn't like any other baked goods that were similar to hot pockets. As long as if you still fit the demographic, the criteria, of course, you're probably going to be somebody who still goes out and buys hot pockets because you are. That age, you have kids, you work so many hours, you know, or you're at a certain income bracket, whatever. Right, right. Yeah, you match mm-hmm. who buys effing Hot Pockets. It's, it's so ridiculous, so ridiculous that I can't even believe Facebook <clears throat> rolled that out and expected people to believe that. I think there's some interesting things they could do with it to make those connections because those connections are certainly interesting and have value, but I, I, I don't think they can be like what that ad platform stands on i mean the more you can know about yeah. your consumers the better no that's fine but to attribute it's asinine to spend mm-hmm. to base your 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 advertising dollars on the fact that you're just simply reaching the people that you know you're already reaching which is it's anyway. not to say that they're not necessarily value in that but but again the whole point <clears throat> of this study was facebook and everybody else realizing that click-throughs on on Web ads mm-hmm. are horrendous, right? Terrible. And if your model, your financial model, is based on that, mm-hmm. it's different than search. Totally different than search. But if if your model is based on people clicking through on display ads or social media ads, you're going to be in trouble because right. people are going to be like, "I get nothing out of this." Which common right. sense, right? I mean, how many of us click on a Facebook ad? It happens, but pretty rarely. Merlin. You know, so what they're trying to do is say, well, that doesn't matter anyway, because all you have to do is have it up on their page. So they see if they it. They just see it. And now we're back, like we said before, we're back to billboards. That's all that is. Right. And it's amazing <coughs> to me when you have the power of digital and the power of data that Facebook does, that they would try to go back to the mystery of awareness and say, well, that's really what matters here. Right. And to use that research, it's, it's, laughable it really is laughable yeah it's incredible that that they would pull that off yeah yeah and this guy calls it out he says maybe facebook has mastered the art of using advertising to convert sales or maybe it's mastered the art of finding people who are going to buy certain items anyway <laughs> and showing them ads after they already made their decision he says it's somewhere in the middle and i'm like well yeah, it's in the middle on a spectrum of one to a hundred. If ninety nine's in the middle, or two. <laughs> yeah. So, last thing here, um, he kind of goes in to say, uh, you know, so he, I think he does a good job of bringing these research things down to a realistic, yeah, perspective. But he goes on to talk about how uh, there's reason to whether to wonder whether all advertising, online or off, is losing its persuasive punch. Uh, because we're just we have access to information infinitely more than we did ten years ago, certainly twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Uh, you know, comments, user reviews, friends' opinions, price comparison tools. Um, you know, these things aren't advertising. In fact, they're much more powerful in advertising because we consider them information rather than marketing. The difference is enormous. We seek information, so we're more likely to trust it 
marketing seeks us, so we're more likely to distrust it. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. Which is why we, th- we advocate for content marketing. Because content marketing is based on providing people what he calls information. Right. So you're not trying to sell them on how great your cardiologist is. You're trying to say, here are things to do to help your heart. Mm-hmm. And then that association hopefully draws a brand connection and, and keeps them tied to you until <clears throat> they actually are in the market for what you're selling. Right. right. So great story. We'll post it. Anything else you guys want to add to it? No. Nope. I don't think so. That was a really deep dive. What a deep dive. <laughs> Deserved it, though. It was good. It was a good article. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to something I've seen headlines on but have no idea what the story is, but luckily you guys do. Uh, and we'll post a link to this. Uh, it's from the, the new um, John Oliver show, which is, what's it called? The I've last never heard week of them today until or tonight. Last week tonight or yeah. something like that. Where what is it on? I've Sundays never seen it. HBO. Oh, okay. And just some background on that. John Oliver is hilarious. I've seen him stand up live. Uh, he was one of the best correspondents on the Daily Show with John Stewart. Oh, he was. Yes, and he took over for John Stewart when when John Stewart left for months to direct a film, and he did such a good job that he was able to get his own show on HBO. And at first, when I saw this show, it was basically like it sounds like it's the Daily Show. He goes to the news and he makes fun of it. Um, but it is different and it's, it's the same kind of thing, but he goes way deeper. He spends way more time on one topic Mm -hmm. and he's, he's, it's fantastic because he's relentless. I mean, Jon Stewart is great at tearing down all that's stupid and ridiculous in politics and the media, particularly, Mm -hmm. uh, he'll go after corporations sometimes too, but John Oliver spends, I think more time on the private sector. So like he spends like a half a show. It might be an hour show. So he'll spend 20 minutes on GM and their recalls. And it's full of funny stuff. And, and it's – so he right. really goes in-depth on these topics. And, and some of his stuff is really getting noticed because he's, he's bringing to light stuff that, that everybody kind of knows but is like, we're, we really put up with this. We're okay right. putting up with this nonsense. And when you put it like that, you go, Wow. Right. And so that's the background. Is just real quick, is he political like John Stewart is or uh, not he definitely Yeah. I, see, I don't think John Stewart is overtly political. I think he leans probably left, if you want to call him that. Oh, yeah. And I think John Oliver But he'll would, call BS on But he'll side. call BS on anybody. Yeah, yeah. I don't he's not like a, a Bill O'Reilly on the right or a or Keith Oberman on the left. Well, right. right. Um but I think he leans more left because it's more humanitarian and he's out for the average Joe against big companies and that kind right. of stuff. Okay. But it's it. not, I think if you, there are people that won't watch the daily show because of that, mm-hmm. because there's, you know, because they listen to Rush Limbaugh all day. Right. Um, if, if you like the daily show and the politic political bent of it, then this probably is about the same. So okay. you can Just call curious. it liberal if you want. I don't think it is, but I'm also more leaning that way. So it's right. probably easier for me to, Right, exactly. stomach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. But it's I don't tough. think it comes off that way. He's really anti big. Yeah, he had, there's a great well, okay. one of his Almost pieces. Tea party like his piece that probably has gotten the most attention and spread around the web the most is the, his rant on net neutrality. Yes, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, that really made the rounds and as as um, has been atta- been been praised and attacked and. Which, by the way, if we haven't waited on that, is the most egregious. I still can't believe if if things go the way they're going. That they went that way, given that the only people that benefit from this are the giant media companies, cable companies primarily, but not just them, 
and the head of the FCC used to be a consultant for a cable company. So you literally have a dude in bed with an industry <clears throat> dictating against all common sense and business benefit, let alone personal benefit for right, the internet. Right. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The internet needs to be considered a utility. And unfortunately it's not yet. It's just a stupid little semantics in the, in the law. It's not crazy. Yeah. We don't have to get into that, but we no. can save that for next. Time. No, we could. So anyway, this is more, this is still healthcare. Uh, and it's about some <laughs> controversy with Dr. Oz who I don't really follow Dr. Oz. I find him to be the, yeah. and I know he's very popular, but because we're in the industry, I find it to be the poster child for the egotistical promotion hungry physician. Yeah, I kind of do Because he is that. He is the ultimate of that. But I think he comes off okay. I mean, if you're outside of this industry, mm-hmm. you probably don't see him that way. I think he's very popular. But I, I saw some headlines about this, but will you guys fill in the controversy? Adam, you can do it. Because the, the reason we talked about John Oliver, by the way, is because he goes off on this controversy. Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll post a video of that. Right. It's but I think funny. it's worthwhile just talking about the controversy because it's interesting. Yeah. So apparently Dr. Oz has been touting some weight loss supplements um, for a while now. And, uh, you know, has been endorsing them, has been touting them as kind of this magical, miracle, you know, cure for weight loss. Um, of course, always with the caveat, but very hidden caveat that it still requires a good diet and exercise. Um, but when you prop something up as the magical, miracle cure, for, you know, or, mm-hmm. or fix, you know, that's, that's what you hear. That's all you hear. You right. don't hear you need to still need to diet and exercise. So anyway... Right. He was brought before a Senate committee. Um, let me just read this. This is from E, I believe, E Online. Uh, Dr. Oz show host, test Dr. Oz, of course, testified before a Senate committee on consumer protection, product safety, and insurance regarding protecting consumers from weight loss scams. The 54 year old was chastised by the panel and criticized for promoting diet pills and supplements on his television show. <laughs> Magic beans? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny if you if you watch um if you watch some of the clips from the this panel the Senate panel hearing where they're just drilling him and and you, all you have to do is watch the Oliver clips because he features the ones that are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, do it's you do you believe in magical pills? And Doctor Oz is like, uh, <laughs> you know, comes up with some kind of response. And then they say it again. He totally do stumbles. you believe in yeah. magical pills? And he's like, uh, do I believe that pills have magical powers or something like that? <laughs> it's just like, come on. He's like, clearly you've said this on your show mm-hmm. that these pills are magical, miracle pills. And now, you know, now you're right. being called out on it. You're a doctor. Well, you can't, that's the problem. Can't, that's, and that's what he's calling. And that's what Oliver is calling, calling Oz out on is that mm-hmm. you are a doctor. You have got a responsibility in society, a moral and ethical responsibility yeah. to, to not put this kind of crap into people's heads. You know, you're no better than Jenny McCarthy in this case. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's actually pretty disgusting. And I, 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 I guess I don't know that I ever respected Dr. Oz necessarily, but I wouldn't say that I didn't respect him. I don't really follow him. Um, but I never had a bad opinion of him until I started seeing this. And I was like, wow, that's really gross. Right. So anyway, it's just, so Dr. Oz was in front of the Senate committee. Oliver called him out on it. And it's a pretty interesting mm-hmm. uh, since it's it within the industry video. in which we work. He calls these products miracles. He <laughs> has his name on the products. Did you, the quote, so there's bad. a quote from John Oliver from the show about the ridiculousness of our FDA and that there's little or no right. oversight or regulation of supplements. Right. 
And his quote is, the industry is essentially supposed to police itself. That's like one of those porn sites that asks you to enter your own page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> It's so I never knew that he was really sucked I would, up I in would his whole thing. Works, wow. Yeah, it's just bad. I mean, if you're a doctor and there's no science behind any of your claims, it's just... Well, there's some interesting clips, too, from people who are in the back pocket of these industries who produce these pills, Mm -hmm. um, some senators or or congressmen uh, who are just defending it. And they're like, you know, these pills have the ingredients and the nutritional information on the label, blah, blah, blah. And then Oliver goes on to point out that uh, these two guys who are the the ones who are screaming from the rooftops about how they're doing enough Mm -hmm. already to to regulate these industries and police them are the, the two guys who receive the most campaign funding from these industries themselves oh, sure so i mean not that that surprises anybody anymore well and the thing is too is he mentions like i think it, yeah one of them was these magical coffee beans or right. whatever yeah. you can and, lose like 20 pounds in four weeks or something yeah and as soon as he talks about him i think that he said as soon as he mentioned it on his show like the next day half million bottles or something yeah. were sold so it's just the impact that oh, he has on God, people that's just sick it I makes know, me isn't it, it? I, I don't know if you guys are on the next door social network for it's for neighborhoods so it's like the neighborhood you live in i've heard about it yeah, yeah. so um, the neighborhood i live in is is a a fairly new development an hoa type thing and next everybody who lives there a couple a couple hundred families probably are on this next door thing mm-hmm. somebody had recently posted you know there you know i've got as as a mother of some you know two two children and, and just had another third you know I, i'm very interested in learning about my options when it comes to vaccinations. And I was wondering if there is anybody out there who is interested in hearing from this woman who will come and speak to us about vaccination. And I'm, I'm seeing this on next door and I'm in a chorus right away. There's like three or four replies. Oh, I'm very interested. I'm very interested. And I click through to the link of the woman who is going to come speak. And of course it's just like, you're like, clearly this woman has an agenda, right? right. The person posting about it was, you know, I, I like the person who posted too about it. She's a nice, nice neighbor. Um, but I was just like, God, come on, don't start. God, do we, do we need to have an act anti-vaxxer movement in our little neighborhood in, <laughs> in Eastern Minnesota? Please tell me no. Oh, I know. So, but it's just like, you know, we're surrounded by people who are heavily influenced by this, by this stuff, by the Jenny McCarthy's, by yep. the Dr. Yeah. Oz's, by the crazy, the, the people who have political or, you know, religious agendas to have mm-hmm. you like not vaccinate your children. Um, and, you know, we're seeing the, the aftermath of those decisions now. There's an interesting article about um, a, a Kenyan child who brought measles back to Minnesota and it spread into all to, I can't remember the number of children who were unvaccinated. We've been seeing outbreaks in California. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's not the proof you need as a parent to get your child vaccinated for the love of Christ, I don't know what is. <laughs> it's all bad. One more <laughs> quote from John Oliver. So what's so wrong with all this? Name me one case where a man named Oz claimed mystical powers and led people astray. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good stuff. Well, not good stuff. It's sad that people are in a position where they, I mean, the thing is, I, I, before I knew this, I would have trusted what he said medically. Not that crap. If he would have, if I were to say claim magical weight loss pills, I've been like, what? Yeah. Yeah. But obviously there are people that are very desperate for help and yeah, and that's he's he's not just a doctor in like name or pe- he's a cardiac surgeon at a at a major New York City hospital. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, and to, but to say that crap, you're preying on the weak, you know, the weak, basically the weak minded, yeah, right, the weak exactly. of will, the weak, the people who are desperate to make a change 
you know, in their lives, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to weight. It's just like, God, come well, on. Are you sure and he said he doesn't make money off of this? Why would he be doing that? I, I, I'm not hundred percent sure of that, but I believe he said that in the, in his tenant, in the Senate hearing that he doesn't get paid for that endorsement. That can't I be. believe that's the case. I could I, be wrong, but I think that's shocking. what he said. Yeah, me too. I think that Oliver even calls him out on that in the, in his clip. Hmm. All right. Well, on that you get something out of it. Note, yeah, thank you, to. John Oliver. Yes. Yes, maybe yeah, he'll fill the space link. that I'm worried that Stephen Colbert. Well, Stephen Colbert will still do some stuff. I'll yeah. Up on that. <laughs> All right, so should we sign off? That's that was good. a longing, wasn't it? Sure. All right, so for the arrogant healthcare marketing bastards, this is Chris Bevelo, Jackie Olson, and Adam Meyer. Talk to you next time. <laughs>